Hey y'all, welcome back to LA Unmastered. Again, I'm your host, LA. By the way, it's so weird to refer to myself as LA, but literally no one calls me Lauren. So I'm not trying to be cool here, I promise. But feel free to call me whatever you want though, because what's in a name? That which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet? Mm, look at y'all getting shakespeare on. This week, we're going to dive into the Kenny Hoopla lyric I mentioned in the last episode. Culture is so claustrophobic. Again, it's from his track, How Will I Rest in Peace If I'm Buried by a Highway. In an interview with Alt Press, Kenny mentions that he was so tired of being compared to people like Kid Cudi. Oops, my bad, Kenny. I only meant that you and him have a similar vibe, but definitely not one in the same, in the best way. He goes on to say in the interview, I take being original so seriously and being myself is so important to me. Even music aside, that's how you push culture forward. Being an entity with an original energy that hasn't been felt before. And Kenny, I hope you know that you have definitely succeeded in that regard. Kenny Hoopla is a 19-year-old young black man from Wisconsin. He's also a force to be reckoned with in the modern-day punk scene. Everything about him seems like an anomaly, but he's just being exactly who he is. And most importantly, he's refusing to suffocate in a box. Culture is a beautiful thing, but it can also be very restricting. In the words of En Vogue, it's time to free your mind. So let's get into it. So now it's time for Unplugged. Last weekend, Leanne LaHavis performed live at Roundhouse in London via live stream. I unfortunately missed it, but based on the internet, it was an intimate experience because there were no fans in the venue. So it was just you, her, her band in your room. I'm honestly not mad at this alternative to live shows. If this is how it's going to be, then I'll take it. To all the couples out there quarantined together, if she does this again, y'all should definitely make a date night out of it because it seemed very romantic. To my fellow single people, it appeared to be a really good show to cry to, but also be reminded of the beauty of love. Tickets were bundled with vinyls and or CDs, and all the proceeds from the show were donated to Black Lives Matter organizations. Last Friday, Leanne released her self-titled LP. She refers to it as the album she always wanted to make. I've been vibing to this album so hard. Her first single, Can't Fight, was released a month or so ago, I think. Like, who can keep up with time anyway? It's about when you find the right love for you, you can't fight it. You can't run from it. You just have to let it be. The chorus goes, a little peace, a little love, a little bit. Is that enough? I can't fight away this love. I knew that I should give it up. I try to run, but my heart got stuck. I can't fight away this love. Ooh. All right, I'm sorry, y'all. If you know me, you already know that I'm going to bust out into song all the time. So you're just going to have to endure me getting lost in the sauce. 
But my favorite line of the song is in the next verse. She says, everything is right until it's wrong, but something about you feels like home. Damn, just damn. I also very much enjoy Paper Thin, mainly because of the current state and energy of the universe. It's a reminder that you're not alone. Your pain does not go unnoticed. And basically what Rue always says, if you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love somebody else? So if you're looking for a little pick me up, this is definitely the one. Weird Fishes on the album is actually a Radiohead cover. Let me tell you, Tom York and Radiohead are not easy to cover. It's why most people stick to doing a rendition of Creep because it may be vocally the easiest to try and replicate. Weird Fishes though? Nah. But let me tell you about the talent that is Leanne Mahavis. Her and her band managed to make this song their own while remaining true to the legendary art rock entity that is Radiohead. This is not an easy feat. I will give her her props forever for this one. Finally, her track Courage demonstrates her multitude as an artist. It is a beautiful blues jazz melody. It's slow and nurturing. After you stream or purchase this album, definitely make sure to check out her live virtual session for The Current. You can find that on YouTube. This weekend, I'll be attending the Brick Celebrate Brooklyn Music Festival. Well, virtually in my house. Acclaimed jazz musician Robert Glasper leads the lineup. I actually saw him perform at the Roxy, and it was the night before he won his Grammy. Watching him play the piano is something I will never forget and am extremely grateful for. He brought out Lupe Fiasco. Mind you, this was like two weeks after he called Obama a terrorist at his own inauguration celebration. Whoops. Robert also brought out my girl, Marsha Ambrosius, which was an unforgettable moment for me. She's one half of Flowertree, which is, surprise, surprise, a neo-soul group out of London. At the time, they'd been broken up for about eight years. I never thought I would hear the song Say Yes Live. Even now, I'm still sad that Natalie Stewart wasn't on stage with her, but Marsha is a force all on her own. Trust. BZ Dubs, you've got to listen to Timbaland's remix to Say Yes. The original's all like, all you gotta do is say yes. But the remix, it's like, I want your body, baby, I want mm, mm, you. All you gotta do is say yes, cause you making me, making me feel so good inside, babe. Mm, it's provocative. It gets me going. Common ah. and Questlove will also be performing. Funny, the first time I saw both these artists was at Rock the Bells in 2009. Common was doing his old thing solo and Questlove was, of course, drumming with the roots. Um, and by the way, I don't know if y'all know, but Quest is one of the dopest DJs ever. He was actually on my top five DJs of the quarantine list. So I learned this in 2013. I caught him DJ live randomly. It was back when I was living in Phoenix and we were at the spot, Barsmith. Downstairs was always old school hip hop and reggae and the rooftop was a house techno dance party. Well, on this particular night, we left upstairs to grab drinks because the bar upstairs was too crowded. So we get downstairs, look at the DJ booth, and we're like, is that Questlove? And it wasn't even packed. He apparently just showed up because he was performing with The Roots at the McDowell Mountain Music Festival down the block. By the time we grabbed our drinks and turned around, the place was bumping, but we managed to get a great spot up front. 
He incorporates a lot of soul and funk into his mixes, so picture James Brown meets Grandmaster Flash. Jungle Pussy is also on the lineup. That's going to be fun as fuck. She's a no holds bar rapper out of right here in NYC. She's all about being sexy and a badass. Her free form aura reminds me of FKA Twigs in a way. I truly hope they're friends in real life or at least do a song together. She has this line in her song called Nah. And if you got little ones around, definitely cover their ears. She says... Jungle pussy won't catch me in a litter box. Get the big picture bitch you in a little box. I made him lick the box. He said it hit the spot. Damn. I love nothing more than women talking about their kitties. Men have been doing this shit for years. So if they can nut up, we can box up. Okay. Last but not least, the tallest man on earth will also be performing. I only learned about them last year while watching a car commercial. Yeah, super random. They're a dope-ass funk band out of Sweden. And don't sleep on them because of the advert. The song that they used, it was called It Will Follow Rain from their 2006 self-titled EP. There's just so much emotion in that song. Have you ever seen the far side of a mountain swallow the sky? As you travel through the valley, as you're speeding still far behind through the valley where lovers climb. That is exactly the description of driving through Arizona. It brings me back to those moments of beauty. Something about Folk Man, it just hits me in a different way. Their latest album came out last year and it's called I Love You. It's a fever dream. God damn, like that is a title. By the time you hear this, you probably already saw the videos of me and my mom breaking it down to Quest. But next episode, I'll give you a full review of my first ever virtual festival. So at the beginning of quarantine, me and my besties in the it's a group chat group chat would have virtual happy hour religiously every Friday. It would start at about 6 p.m. and end anywhere from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m., depending on how well we got. We would often pull up Tory Lanez's quarantine radio and enjoy the madness. Yes, it's usually consisted of women gyrating half naked. Now, understand, out of the 10 of us, only two were men. Me and my gals are all about women living their best life and being whoever it is they want to be. Judgment-free zone. Well, until they started adding milk and condiments into the mix, that was a bit too much for our asses. But we didn't turn away. It's like this. If you truly believe in my body, my choice, then the freedom to do whatever you want with your body is included in this. It's the same way I feel about strip clubs. I think it's an extremely empowering profession for women to be in. Here's why. A lot of these women are trying to better their lives by attending school, raising their children, and trying to elevate their current living situation. Their body is just a means to get there. And that is their choice. You've got to respect that. Tori was entertaining, never overtly disrespectful, and you never got the impression that these women were doing anything that they didn't want to be doing. He definitely got banned from IG several times, but only because some of the women were a bit too free, which didn't fall within the IG guidelines, guidelines, guidelines. Nonetheless, Tori was on the rise. The success of his last mixtape, Chicks Tape 5, and Quarantine Radio had him in talks with MTV to have his own show. But last week... That all took a turn. Aside from all the people running up and down through his house, he had been spending a lot of time with Megan Thee Stallion. Last week, they attended a pool party together at Stormy's mama's house. No one knows exactly what happened, but a video was released of Tori's arrest. He was detained because the police found a weapon after his car was pulled over. 
In the video, you can see Megan hobble out the car and hit the ground. Originally, the police said that Megan was injured due to stepping on glass. But according to Megan, via an IG post, she stated that she suffered a gunshot wound or gunshot wounds as a result of a crime that was committed against her with the intention to physically harm her. Everyone, including myself, was shocked. Most people rallied around behind her, but of course, the meme started. From Photoshop pics of her as Anna Mae, aka Tina Turner, and Tori as Ike, to the famous scene from Harlem Nights where Eddie Murphy shoots Della Reese in the pinky toe. Now, I gotta give it to my people for our ability to turn pain into humor. It is definitely a coping mechanism we have accrued from generation to generation. But this was definitely not the time. As I discussed last episode, the violence against black women is so often trivialized. This woman was shot in the foot. If one of those bullets ricocheted, Megan could be dead. Megan, feeling rightfully unsupported, took to Twitter to say this. Black women are so unprotected and we hold so many things in to protect the feelings of others without considering our own. It might be funny to y'all on the internet and just another messy topic for you to talk about, but this is my real life and I am real life hurt and traumatized. That should have been enough to stop the laughs. The joke should have ended there, but they didn't. Remember when I spoke about the person versus the brand? Megan Pete is the person. Hot girl Megan Thee Stallion is a brand. She is real. The entertainment industry is a trippy place, man. While many celebs rally behind her, you got clout chasing ass Drea talking about, that's the kind of love I'm looking for. If you're like, get in the car and I'm like, no, you better shoot me in the foot. Clearly, she has some serious issues she needs to work out if she truly believes this sentiment. And if she doesn't, she needs to be more aware of the platform she has. Although she isn't that famous, there are a lot of people who look up to her and hang on to her every word. This is not what I want people to see, primarily not young black women. I am tired of the narrative that black women must endure pain to be loved, that we must remain strong and be forgiving if our partners abuse or cheat on us. Black women make a huge make up a huge part of the single population in America. For me, that goes against the narrative that we so often hear. I rather look at it as we are not unlovable. We would just rather be alone than to tolerate some bullshit. And listen, as far as Megan and Tori are concerned, we have no idea what their relationship consists of, and it's none of our damn business. Like Megan said, she'll talk about it when she's ready, and we have to give her her space to heal. There is another vital lesson to be learned. I want all artists and those working in the industry to absorb this. Not everyone in this particular world is here for you. A large part of that is because the industry profits off of beef and competition. It's counterproductive and can become super destructive. And as we've seen time and time again, it can lead to acts of violence. We saw that when we lost Big and Pac within six months of each other. It's unfortunate that we will never have a Watch the Throne-esque album with those two. It's why we never got a Little Kim and Foxy track, which still pains me till this day. A large part of this is having the right team in place. Do not go off recommendations alone for business managers, lawyers, publicists, and so on. You need to be diligent. Take business courses so you can comprehend the basics of accounting and marketing. Do not let someone take advantage of you. Do your own research and protect yourself. 
Before I wrap up Unplugged, the last thing I'd like to discuss is the importance of mental health in the current state of the world in which we reside. Like I said, I'm not trying to give energy to distractions, but I'm human. And witnessing another human being's public breakdown hits hard in a different way, especially right now. I do not like that the conversation has turned from him getting help, the help he needs, to his wife being a victim. Only people I'm worrying about right now are the children. This is a family of succubi. We have watched them contribute to the detriment of many of men, a good majority of them black men. I'm not saying anyone, including the men, are innocent in all of this, but I refuse to contribute to the poor her narrative because homegirl wasn't thinking about his well-being when she was retweeting him last week during a manic episode. We all witnessed him unravel over the past few years, and a terrifying result would be for this family to gain a conservatorship over him. Oh, look at that. Let me get my tinfoil hat and put it on real quick. A part of me feels like this may have been planned, allowing him to show his break from reality to the world so we can support this decision. I just wish he had real friends and family in his corner. But at the end of the day, he did this to himself. He receives no forgiveness from me, but it's hard for me not to be compassionate. I'm only mentioning the situation because in the black community, therapy is not something that we do because we don't have time to complain. We don't have time to worry about our pain. Mental health, what? We're strong. We can just keep going and get over it. No. Therapy is more important now than ever before. Not only are we going through this pandemic, which has no end in sight because people refuse to put on a damn mask, we're also going through this revolution and it's only getting worse. You got the feds out here just kidnapping people in Oregon and the alleged president of the United States is talking about we're about to take this nationwide and he has the fucking audacity to call it Operation Legend, which is named after four-year-old Legend Telefero who was shot and killed while asleep in Kansas city they're heading to albuquerque and chicago first but not kansas city so you are admitting we have a gun violence problem in this country but we're not going to talk about gun reform and we can't mention the second amendment is that right and if you really care so much about people being shot and murdered while they're asleep then why haven't you arrested the cops who killed brianna taylor in her sleep Let's quickly talk about Chicago. It has one of the highest crime rates in the nation, but it's also one of the most heavily policed cities in the nation. So let's think about this correlation logically. Clearly, more police is not working. Maybe, just maybe, if you took away some of the cops' funding and put it into education and social programs, Chicago may not be as bad as it is today. But as Chicago gets better, what city are you going to use for your example of Black-on-Black black crime? Hmm. We witnessed yet another Black person found lynched in this country. This time it was a young Black woman. Her name is Gloria Bombo. She was found hanging in a garage. The police determined she had been dead for three days. So for three days in hot-ass Texas, her roommate didn't smell anything. And the people who were supposedly working in the garage to control some leak didn't see her body? How was her roommate not immediately detained? 
And how is this just ruled a suicide? And people are out here still being racist as fuck getting caught on camera every day. They just don't care. Right here on Long Island, and I mean less than two minutes from my house, some old ass racist man was caught on camera rolling down his window to say, if this was back in the day, I'd string you up in a tree. But yeah, all these black people being found lynched in this country are definitely suicides. Totally makes sense. My point is that this is a lot. It's overwhelming and it can take you down. The same way that when you feel physically sick, you go to the doctor or the emergency room is the same way we need to do it for our mental health and go to therapy. And that's exactly what I did a month ago. The weight of everything crushed me. I couldn't think straight. I couldn't sleep more than two to three hours a night. I wasn't eating. I was constantly crying. I got so anxious one day, I physically purged out of nowhere. I had a breakdown and I knew I needed help. And anyone that knows me knows that that is not something I ask for because again, I'm strong. I'm the person who helps others. I don't ask for it, but I had to put my pride aside because I had no choice. My mental state scared me. So while I was just parked in a parking lot, frantic and scared, I called my friend Melissa. By the break of dawn that morning, thanks to her, I had a list of black female therapists in my inbox. In that list, I found the perfect therapist for me. She's a bohemian soul like myself. She's all about the spiritual world. And she's not only a licensed therapist, but a certified Reiki practitioner. And that's what I needed. There's someone out there who is right for you. Do not think that you can carry everything on your shoulders right now and not have it affect you. So let this man be an example as to what can happen if you do not prioritize mental health. I always like to use the example of oxygen mask on a plane. You're supposed to put it on you first because if you pass out, you can't help someone else. Think about mental health in the same exact way. If you'd like to know what shows I'll be virtually attending in the next few weeks, please make sure to visit launmaster.com unplugged. All right, so let's talk about some uncharted artists. First up, we have Chai. She's a rapper out of New Zealand who said she's been rhyming since she was 11 years old. She's heavily influenced by hip hop, electronica, and her Persian culture. And you can definitely hear this in a lot of her music, especially her song, Digabase, featuring B-Wise. Digabase means enough in Farsi. She released the song on International Women's Day in 2019, which is perfect because enough is enough, am I right? And you have to see this video. It's her and all these beautiful women in these colorful niqabs just riding around through the desert. It's just so cool to see. I learned about her music while watching the movie Old Guard on Netflix. The track Nobody Knows was used in the fight scene between Kiki Lane and Charlize Theron on the plane. The fast tempo and the hard rock beat was the perfect backdrop. And let me just say, the thing that I love most about this movie was the diversity of the cast. Aside from the fact that one of the leads was a black actress, Kiki Lane, most of the characters were a part of the LGBTQIA community. Even with Charlize Theron's character, you weren't even sure about her sexuality, but it didn't matter because all you wanted to do was watch her fuck shit up anyway. Again, for me, everything is about contrast. Charlize and Kiki are stunningly beautiful, but their looks have nothing to do with their characters, and I just love to see that. 
Chai's EP Light Switch actually came out the same day as the movie, which was a genius marketing move. And aside from Nobody Knows, definitely listen to South. I love that track. So if you're a fan of M.I.A., Santigol, and even Sleigh Bells, you'll truly dig Chai. Next up, we have Pleasure Venom. They're an experimental garage punk band out of Austin who doesn't shy away from singing about love, sex, sexism, and racism. Audrey Campbell is the lead singer of the band, and her voice will shock you to your bones. Her voice has weight that will make even a numb soul feel some shit. The fact that this punk band is fronted by a black woman shatters all conceptions people may have of the genre. Punk is actually one of the most open-minded genres that exist, but we'll get into more of that later. Shirley Manson, you know, one of the baddest to ever do it, said this to NME about Pleasure Venom and Audrey. In this climate, everyone is so homogenized. Female artists particularly sound like one another. Then you get this wild firebrand, and that's exciting. It's true. I can't compare her voice to any artist. Audrey is unapologetically unique. I can only say that if you dig bands like The Runaways, Bikini Kill, and newcomer Danny Denial, then you'll definitely be into Pleasure Venom. Totally different styles, but a very similar aesthetic. Tangent, as I love to do, Danny Denial made a visual punk album called Death Heads USA. It is so dope. I love the imagery and I never really experienced anything like that from a punk artist. You can find that on YouTube, actually. Pleasure Venom's song Death, although released in 2018, was written after the death of Tamir Rice. The song is about choosing to celebrate his life and not just mourning his death. The line, can you feel at all, is so real because we've become so numb to the murder of black people because it's become so normalized. That is traumatic in and of itself. Then you have a song like Hive, which is just pure power. It's exactly what I think of when I think of punk rock. And the final Uncharted band for this week is Adult Magic from right here on Long Island. Okay, I'm going to be 100% honest. I'm extremely biased when it comes to this band. One of my oldest and bestest friends, hey Leanne, is dating the guitarist Jesse. As a result, he's become a dear friend over the last eight years. The drummer, Chris, is not only a good friend, but also my former roommate, and Mike, the bassist, is a friend that I've made over the years from going to shows. But bias aside, they are three of the most talented musicians I've ever encountered. I've had the pleasure of seeing Mike and Chris perform while in the band Crowbait and Jesse when he was in the band Broadcaster. Funny story, while I was working in LA at the Roxy, one day I had to walk over to the owner's office, which was down the block. I walked in and his office manager flips out. She goes, oh my God, is that a broadcaster shirt? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, that's one of my favorite bands of all time. Now I'm starting to feel myself, like why? But I'm like, yeah, my bestie is dating Jesse. She's like, what? No way. And like goes off. It was such an awesome experience because here I am, a little girl from Long Island across the country, far away from everybody. And hearing someone I just met go off about a band that I know. And it was just really cool. And you can kind of see how music just has no boundaries. So I try my hardest to go to as many adult magic shows as possible. And I never leave without merch. Yes, they're my friends. So I'm going to support them regardless. But their music and merch are dope as fuck. So it's like a win-win. That German Shepherd shirt, guys, that's my favorite. I love it. I wear it all the time. 
But these gents are a part of the DIY punk scene, which is basically doing it all yourself. From recording to releasing to booking to promoting, the band handles everything independently. Even their label, Dead Broke Records, is owned by Mike. Anything they cannot do on their own, they employ artists, friends, and local businesses. So they record at a friend's studio and even enlisted a friend who owns a screen printing company to produce all of their merch. I just love to see that type of support. Last year, they finally released their self-titled LP. This is a play straight through no skips and on repeat type album. There is something super nostalgic about this record for me. Songs like Demotivation and Sign of the Times Hey, Prince, give me very 90s, 2000s alt-rock vibes. They're definitely in good company, in my opinion. They have an air of Super Chunk, Not A Surf, and The Muffs. The latter you may not recognize, but you know one of their most popular songs which is featured in Clueless. We're the kids in America, whoa! And, I know, I didn't realize that the Muffs were still making music. They actually released an album in 2019, which is fucking impressive, seeing as how the movie just turned 25 last week. Okay, so this is for the band, guys. Please don't be offended by what I'm about to say, and I hope you know that this is one of the highest compliments I can give a band. Leanne, you need to confirm this for me, please. But I feel like a lot of the tracks could be in 90s adolescent indie flicks or thrillers. Movies like Bully, 13, Empire Records, Faculty, Swim Fan, something along those lines. And obviously, let's just throw Clueless into the mix, too. The thing I love about all these soundtracks is that in these movies, the music was a part of the ensemble. And I have a random thought. I've honestly discovered some of the best songs from horror films. Hello, Queen of the Damned, Deftones. Okay. So understand what I'm saying here. You're on that level for me. And that's serious. So please don't be mad and don't ban me from future shows because I'll be extremely distraught. Okay, so they obviously didn't know it at the time, but their track Popcorn is the quarantine anthem. First of all, popcorn is my official quarantine snack. Second of all, the lyrics are, take your time waiting in the grocery line. I never comb my hair, can't take me anywhere. I always fall asleep when there's a place to be. Another endless day of anxiety. Okay, so... I don't know about y'all, but I've been relating to those lyrics a lot as of late. It's just so fitting for the times. Aside from Demotivation and The Other Side, my favorite track is Savor. This is super embarrassing because I know them and I'm always just like, you guys are really good. But what they don't know is that I'd be in my room listening to Savor over and over with my candles lit, sitting on my bed like I'm Tiffany New York Pollard in my fucking feelings. But this song, everyone can relate to. I've always interpreted it as being about love, determination, and the brevity of life. I get transported to past experiences and it gets me to my core. And for me, the best part of any song is the bridge. This one sends me over the edge. I just don't want to let you down. How will I make it when you're gone? I just don't want to let you down. None of us are here for too long. Damn. The benefit of knowing the artist is that you get to ask questions you're dying to know the answers to. So I spoke with Jesse about the meaning of the song. He said, the lyrics stemmed from getting older and starting to see your parents' age and realizing no one is invincible. Your loved ones aren't going to be there forever. So try not to dwell on the petty stuff and appreciate the time you have together. Also, just trying to be better and show up for the people you care about. And that's the coolest thing about music is that you can hear a song and relate it to your life without actually knowing the original intention. 
But having the access and opportunity to know the real meaning brings it to a whole other level. So Jesse, thank you so much for that. If you want to know about these artists, please visit launmastered.com slash uncharted. There you will find their social media pages and links to their music. And please feel free to email me, la at launmastered.com, with any artist recommendations you may have. This week, I want to feature Palace 111. This is a black female-owned crystal and wellness shop. Their motto is, the world is your palace. Make it as pleasant as it needs to be. Personally, my connection to the universe is a spiritual one. I believe in God as the creator, so anything she oversees is included in my faith. Crystals emit an energy that you can feel. If you've ever walked into a crystal shop, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're hit with this, what can be an overwhelming sensation. Although functioning solely online at the moment, this shop is based in New York City. I was wondering if the experience would be the same if I shopped for crystals online, and it was. The two that called to me as I scrolled were the Garnet and Cappuccino Jasper Palm Stones. The Garnet purifies energy and helps to warn off approaching danger. It inspires self-love and self-confidence, and I could use a dose of both right now, like for real. It also sheds light, gives hope, and helps overcome self-sabotage. In addition, it's apparently a stone of seduction and helps balance sex drive. Mm. All of the above are perfect for the Sagittarius at this current point in time. The Cappuccino Jasper Palm Stone helps to bring uplifting energy to your life. It works on inner motivation, passion, and drive. It can help bring about new connections, ambitions, and ideas. This stone aids in dream recollection. And honestly, I've been dreaming a lot more this last month. So it'll be cool to kind of dive into that part of my psyche. I also love to interpret dreams. It's actually a random gift. <laughs> Finally, it's a protection stone and absorbs negative energies around it. These two are exactly what I needed. So yeah, my experience was comparable, even online. As far as in the black community, the wellness space is usually something you hear about in the neo-soul scene. However, there are actually so many of us that use these methods to ground ourselves and our spirit. So I'm so happy to see this shop thrive. They're selling out of so many stones and items. There's this smudge bowl I'm waiting to be restocked. Please visit them at palace111.com and find them on all social channels at palace111. And the one and 11 are spelt out. Lastly, please visit Ashani. She is a black female astrologer. You can find her at Elysian Spirit Tarot on Instagram. Sorry, fellas, she only works with the ladies. But not all Geminis gave Ashani access to her IG page one day. She discusses the lack of African-Americans in the astrology space. And it's so important for us to know our history because this is something I just learned. And although I knew these things about Benjamin Banneker, that he was a free black man, owned land, and was a farmer and created the Almanac, I didn't know that he mapped out the planets, moons, and the stars. He had a huge impact on astrology as we know it today. She goes deep into the history and current sphere of astrology. And I think it's important for all of us, especially the black community, to know that we most definitely have a place in the world of spirituality. Again, if you know of any black owned businesses you would like me to promote on the show, please visit launmaster.com BLM and fill out the form or email me la at launmastered.com. All right, so let's get into Unmastered. 
Ever since I heard the line, culture is so claustrophobic, I haven't been able to stop thinking about it. I relate to that lyric in such a major way. Again, I'm so tired of my community being seen as a monolithic entity. I hate that fucking box so much, which is why I think I've always been rebellious when it comes to conformity. The worst part about it, though, is that we tend to put each other in this metaphorical box as well. White people are allowed to be alternative, goth, preppy, punk without their identity or ethnicity being questioned. Even if they are into hip hop or into reggae and have dreads, people say you're acting black, not that they are in fact black. There is never an examination of their whiteness. And this is the privilege I wish we had. Black people aren't allowed to be freely goth or punk or listen to alt rock without both white and black people telling them that they are not really black or that they are in fact white. Do you know how damaging this is? No one should be doing this, especially not black people. When we do this, we contribute to the stereotype that we're all just the same. We cannot in one breath demand that we be seen as more than a singular entity and then turn around and point the finger at other black people and tell them that they are not really black because they're not acting, dressing or speaking the way they quote unquote should be. This implies that someone cannot have an individual aesthetic while being prideful of their black identity and writing for their people. This is a part of the white supremacy built into this country. We don't even recognize it. And again, black people were the creators of rock and roll. You think anyone ever questioned the blackness of Rosetta Tharp, the godmother of rock and roll? Yo, if you've never seen this woman shred, you're really missing out. She is unreal. So let's actually talk about some musicians for a second. Artists like Prince, Jimi Hendrix, Lenny Kravitz, and Tracy Chapman seem to be the exceptions. They were always allowed to maintain their blackness and their rock and roll persona. For the average person like myself, it just isn't like that. It bothered me that while growing up, my blackness was always called into question because I liked to wear my beanie and flannel while I vibed out to Red Hot Chili Peppers. Meanwhile, if anyone ever actually asked me why I loved Red Hot Chili Peppers, I would tell them that it's because their music had heavy reggae undertones. Even my femininity and sexuality have been called into question because I prefer to wear a dress with chucks and heels. I've even been judged for who I've dated. It's like y'all are really using two examples you see on the internet to prove who I allow into my heart and my legs. If I ever involve myself with someone who is not black, you will never catch me out here putting down my men in the process. My father, who I love so much, is a black man. He raised me and made me who I am. How could I not love black men? I remember when I first started dating my ex, who was Puerto Rican and white. This dude from elementary school slid into my messenger inbox. He asked me something about his rap career, and I didn't answer fast enough or give him the immediate response he was looking for. So he proceeded to tell me that I hate black people and I'm only concerned with the white dick that's in my mouth. Yeah. For me, I'm open to all types of men. Your ethnicity is not a roadblock for me. As long as I think you're fine, we can vibe to music, you appreciate love and respect me, and you ride for all Black Lives Matter all day, every fucking day, I'm not going to base my decision to date you on your color. The thing is, I was never the one to question my Black identity because of the music I listened to, the men I dated, the clothes on my back, or the diverse group of company I kept. 
it was everybody else trying to figure me out. Maybe because people see me in mixed company, they think that I do not speak up or allow certain behavior. But anyone who has been my friend, particularly those who've known me for at least 10 years, have seen me wall out on someone for their racist remarks or microaggressions at least once. The thing anyone knows about me is that I do not keep my mouth shut, especially in the face of adversity. So let's just get this straight right now. Aesthetic and identity are two different things. One is not dependent upon the other. A lot of times there is no correlation. You just are who you are. In the case of Lauren Allen, human being, my aesthetic is alt and bougie because let's keep it real, that flannel and beanie total to about $100. Hey, hey. But my identity is black, cisgender, female. In the words of Cartman, I do what I want. No one is going to instruct me on how I should live my life. Yes, I'm aware that some people end up in the sunken place. We can very easily blame that person, but let's also claim responsibility as a society. We need to let people be themselves without judging or restricting them. Both of my parents are naturalized citizens. My mother is originally from Haiti and my father is Jamaican. Because of this, they not only wanted me to explore my heritage, but also the culture of America as a melting pot. I was raised to be friends with everyone. My father always said to me, I want you to make friends with all different types of people, but never forget about your people or who you are. That stuck with me forever. As a result, when I was a kid, my best friends were mostly Caribbean, but also black American, Italian, and even Lebanese. As a black girl growing up in a predominantly black and brown community, Lebanon wasn't even on my radar. Early in life, I was able to learn about the existence of this country, the significance of family in this community, and the food. It was at this friend's house I tasted cumin and coriander for the first time. And this is how I've continued my life as an adult. I have friends who represent every single continent. Well, one day in Antarctica, I'm coming for you. But because of this, I've been able to learn about Trinidad, Sierra Leone, Turkey, Italy, Australia, and Eritrea from firsthand experience. This has enabled me to be open-minded and hunger for a world in which cultural differences are celebrated and shared. In my household, I learned that the musical landscape was vast. Every Saturday, my dad would put on the record player and blast music throughout the house. Sleeping in was never an option. It was usually 70s, 80s, funk and soul, and of course, reggae. Once the vibration of the music shook my bed, I would go downstairs, pass the ackee and sawfish on the stove, and head into the basement, aka our music epicenter. And every single time I would say, Daddy, can you put on my song, please? He would then take out the Maxi LP by Maxi Priest and put the needle down. Blaring from the speakers came, Oh, baby, baby, it's a wild world. Do-do-do-do, It wasn't until I got older that I realized that this was a Cat Stevens song. So understand, a lot of music I learned about stemmed from the reggae version. Hello, Hotel California, Bob Marley, a.k.a. the Eagles. My people love to remix a track. I think every Whitney Houston and Celine Dion song has turned into a reggae or, or a copa tune. Damn, we really love Celine Dion, don't we? Like, it's crazy. My parents owned every Celine Dion album, by the way, and they love them some Kenny G. So when the two of them hopped on that track halfway to heaven, it was a wrap in my house. 
But that was the thing about my parents. There were no rules when it came to music. I wasn't only exposed to a particular set of genres. My father's affinity for Celine Dion led him to Andrea Bocelli because they did the prayer together. Next thing you know, my dad is screaming, Conte Patiro, and listening to his entire album in Italian. You couldn't tell my mother shit about Tom Jones or Eric Clapton. Those were her forever booze. I think my mom listened to Eric Clapton almost every day. She was a little bit obsessed, but can you blame her? Because of them, I constantly sought out new jams from an array of genres. I realized very early on that my favorite thing about music was deep percussion, strings, chordophone, and powerful, soulful vocals. I could get that from anywhere, R&B, hip hop, electronic, and rock. As early as eight, I knew I was a huge fan of all rock. The Black Hole Sun video was super trippy. Like, why was that little girl barbecuing her doll? But like, it also made sense to me at the same time. Chris Cornell's voice was something I'd never heard before. He would become a lifelong favorite. Audio Slave seriously got me through college. I also love Blind Melon's message in the video for No Rain. With the little bee girl, it was so cute. I love the end that she found her hive. But Trent Reznor in the Closer video? I mean, also for the longest time, I actually thought the lyrics were, I wanna uh, you like an animal. Did not get that as a kid. And I definitely had an awakening watching that man sing and twirl around that raw meat. Mm, It was something else. To me, it was just so out of my normal construct that I was in love with that music and style. Also, if you've never seen Nine Inch Nail Live, Oh my God, you're absolutely missing out. As I hit my teenage years, I got super into groove metal. Now that's my shit. I put bands like Korn, Slipknot, and System of a Down in that category. But also, big fuck you to System of a Down's drummer, for real, because I just found out that he's a drumster diver. Racist piece of trash. Anyway. But real talk. I've written some of my best social media content to Slipknot's duality and Bodies by Drowning Pool. It's like therapeutic the same way horror movies are. Now, I want to say to a former classmate, Dan Burkhardt, wherever you are, thank you. Dan was cool as fuck, an alternative punk kid at my suburban Catholic high school. We were freshmen and would randomly talk in class and soon realized we both loved music. One day he walked into class and handed me a burn CD. It said hybrid theory, Linkin Park. That shit opens up a whole world for me. When I got home, I put on the album. The first song is paper cut. You hear what sounds like a heavy rock track. Then all of a sudden you hear Mike Shinoda start rapping. You then hear the scratch of turntables. Chester Bennington comes in with a voice that cannot and will never be replicated. I got serious chills. The next track on that album is my favorite. One Step Closer, mm, everything you say to me, cause I'm one step closer to the edge and I'm about to break. That shit was perfect for a 14 year old angsty black girl. Linkin Park taught me a major lesson. When music puts their forces together, it's over for you hoes. Speaking of, I'm going to make what sounds like a very long tangent, but I promise you I'm going to bring it all together. In 2011, I made a solo trip to London for one week, right before my 26th birthday. 
It was important to me to immerse myself in this city. I not only went to museums, but I participated in tea time every day, hit pubs, and of course checked out the music scene. My second night there, a friend took me to a rock steady in what was deemed a doji area, but I felt right at home with the familiar sounds of Jamaica in the background. England actually has a very large Caribbean population, just like America. I actually have a lot of family in England. Even my dad lived there for a few years as a kid. One of my last nights, I went to a pub by myself. I had a room temperature strongbow cider and caught a legit London punk show. I will never forget this band. They were called The Cutouts. The guitarist and bassist were also the lead singers and both women. The drummer was a dude who didn't even sing. It was like having a background drummer. It was kind of dope to see. After my trip, aside from listening to the Sex Pistols, I began digging into the punk culture. It really resonated with me. I won't sit here and lie and say that it's one of my favorite types of music, although I do enjoy it, but it is in my top three favorite music environments. In 2012, like literally beginning on New Year's Eve, I started going to a lot more punk shows on Long Island. I spent the first day of the year at a party slash show with Leanne. Her and I have been friends since we were 12 and 13. That year, we just happened to spend a lot of time together. She has been a part of the Long Island punk community since she was a young teenager. So going to shows with her was awesome. And because she knows me, she would take me to see bands she knew I'd be into. I learned a lot, expanded my library, and made a ton of friends. Why I say it's one of my favorite music scenes is because I've never felt uncomfortable. This is a community that's predominantly white, but it's not only white. Yes, there have been shows where I'm the only black person, but I've never been the only person of color. I can only speak about what I see on Long Island, but there is a heavy Latinx and Asian fan base. Honestly, I think that's where our cultures intersect. Like black people, Latinx and Asian family and friends often put you into a box. You're supposed to be a certain way and you shouldn't veer from your heritage or traditions. But the dopest thing about punk is that it gives you the freedom to be you. On top of that, punk is one of the few spaces in which it is encouraged to talk about social injustices and politics as a means to find solutions to capitalism, racism, homophobia, and any other form of persecution. And if you're not trying to be a part of the solution, then why the fuck are you here? Because it's fuck the man forever and always. I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm a part of the scene. I won't even lie like that. But it's like on Housewives when they have a friend of the show. I'm like a friend of the scene, you know? <laughs> One thing I've always noticed that I thought was so dope is if I was at a punk show that was in a bar or hung out with this crowd for a fun night out, the music was that was always played was hip hop and rap. We would all dance and rhyme and just have a good time. And let me just say this, in all the years, I've never heard or seen the N-word come out of anyone's mouth while they're rapping along. The pause was just always so natural. You know they're not saying it when they're home alone either. Activism and anti-racism are not a fad in this community. They mean what they say. There is no argument about, why can't I say the word? It's just music. They get it. Listen, the whole point of this show is to keep it really, really real. So I've got to be honest. This community has their own internal struggles and issues like every other one. There have been several instances of sexual abuse and assault in this space. 
One of the most famous pop punk bands to come out of Long Island, brand new, had their lead singer, Jesse Lacey, accused of rape by multiple women. There is a great episode of the podcast Invisibilia on this topic as a whole. The episode is called The Call Out. Trigger warning, it's very hard to hear some of these stories, but it's absolutely necessary. In addition, just this week, Cynthia Schemmer, editor and writer at She Shreds Media, wrote a fantastic piece entitled The Culture of Toxic Masculinity in DIY Spaces. I'll be sure to share it on the LA Unmastered IG and Twitter page as well. No community is without its strife. I, of course, believe these women and know that this exists. But no one I personally know is a part of that negativity and toxicity. And as a whole, I feel extremely safe. So let's talk about punk and hip hop. I took a poll this week to ask people what genres had the heaviest influences on their lives. The top answers were R&B, soul, hip hop, and reggae. There was something very interesting I noticed. The friends I had made through going to punk shows who responded all had similar answers hip-hop, and Motown. I found that fascinating, and I couldn't stop thinking about it. But it makes so much sense. Aside from just being fucking amazing, Motown is so expressive about feelings, and there is so much soul and heart. And artists like Marvin Gaye, The Temptations, Smokey Robinson, Diana Ross, Stevie, and of course Michael, didn't just sing about love. They also made revolutionary tracks. And let us not forget that Motown was a DIY label because we literally had to do it ourselves because no one would let us through the door. As far as hip hop, duh, hip hop originated because the black community needed a platform to speak our piece. No one would listen to us, so we used our music to get the message out and be heard. We began to control our own narrative. The culture is also heavy into expressing yourself via fashion. So is punk. Although hip-hop is now mainstream, it was created as a way to say fuck you to the man while articulately flowing over a beat. It is loud, powerful, and you can bop to it. I'm not saying that this is how my friends went from Motown to punk, but because I love so many different types of music, I always love to think about where the similarities lie. Motown, hip-hop, and punk are all examples of anti-establishment. In hip-hop, you can hear traces of soul, in punk, especially when it comes to the drum and bass line, you can hear what almost sounds like a hip-hop riff. It's also extremely important to reference the Afropunk community and its pioneers. Death, who were from Detroit, was major in the 70s. You also had Pure Hell from Philly. You definitely heard their version of Nancy Sinatra's These Boots Are Made For Walking. It's so cool. And of course, there's Fishbone out of L.A. who are extremely important to my life because without Fishbone, there would be no Red Hot Chili Peppers. And that's straight from Anthony Kiedis' mouth from VH1's Behind the Music. Oh, I miss that show. Like, do y'all miss that show? I think about it. Mm, I just love it. Honestly, I learned a lot over time from reading Afropunk, the magazine. I saw that there were other black people out there who were just living their life being true to themselves. Afropunk was probably one of my favorite festivals. Sade and I went in 2017. The best part about it is that you saw black artists who were punk, rock and roll, house DJs, and neo-soul artists. It's like where all the black misfits came to thrive. All right, so let me bring it on home. Like I said, 
When music combines different elements from a variety of genres, you get a super track, one that can be enjoyed by almost everyone. So imagine combining the hip hop and punk community. The fans and their energies united could do wonders, like a musical Captain Planet. A Long Island musical coalition would be so dope. I mean, aside from having the most passionate members, this would be the most best dressed coalition to ever exist. Fashion and fascism, you know what I'm saying? Us protesting and getting involved in local politics together would make us unstoppable. We could really change the whole game. If anyone wants to do that, for real, please put me on your board. But let's talk about it. Email me, la at launmastered.com or call me, 646-389-9079. When you close yourself off, or you only allow yourself to be who you think you're supposed to be, you stunt your growth and your opportunities. When you step outside the box, you realize your options are limitless. Embracing culture should be liberating, not claustrophobic. It is out of the box where you'll find freedom. If you would like to comment on this segment or share an unmastered opinion of your own, please visit launmastered.com slash U-R-U-M. And that's the letters U-R-U-M. Here are the top five songs by artists who refuse to be put into a box. Number five, Slightly Stupid, 2 a.m. As a Jamaican, I'm very wary of American reggae artists. Color isn't a factor to me when it comes to reggae. So I love Snow and UB40. They're great. It's more about authenticity. Like what Sean Kingston did to reggae should be illegal. So when I was living on the West Coast, I learned that reggae was huge out there, but it was more so Cali reggae, which is kind of questionable to me. Yeah, I think 311 and Sublime are cool, but they're more so on the ska side of things for me. Like, I like ska, don't get me wrong, but... I can fuck with Stick Figure out of Cali, Black Bottom Lighters from Arizona, and I definitely love Jay Boog, who's of Samoan descent, but born and raised in Compton. They all have really, like, true island vibes, but other than that... Then, I learned about Slightly Stupid... So the Roxy gave me free tickets to K-Rock's Almost Acoustic Christmas in 2012. That show was so dope. Speaking of Shirley Manson, I got to see Garbage. I saw Bush. Gwen Stefani popped out to sing Glycerin with Gavin Rosdale. And the performance I'll never forget, Linkin Park. R.I.P. Chester. This night, I also discovered Slightly Stupid. They came out on stage and I'm like, what is this about to be? Then I was like, big ups to my Ocean Beach, Cali Bread Run. They were fucking legit. In a track like Top of the World, you can hear an influence of Sublime who actually gave them their first shot. But most of their tracks are true lovers rock dub joints. They even have a track with the legend himself, Barrington Levy. Swing. Just in case you, you didn't know. That song's called Your Love. It's really good. And if Barrington is co-signing, you know it's the truth. But my jam is 2 a.m. 
This reminds me of the music I grew up with. Gregory Isaacs, Dennis Brown, Marsha Griffiths, who created the electric slide. But in this case, I'm more so thinking about her song, I Shall Sing, and others like it. And of course, Don Penn. No, no, no. Okay, let me regroup. So this track came out in 2007. So although weed was medically legal, it wasn't recreationally legal, which meant people were still getting locked up for bud. This song is basically like, legalize it, Naman, me not criminal. So it goes, I'm going to try my best, okay? Two in the morning, police knocking on my door, what for? Never know the reason they coming back in. And then they coming through while telling me to get on the floor, even though I'm on the floor with a gun to my head. All the reason that I'm holding all the trees and I got a lot of weed, they be spotting me with infrared, saying them rude and them who as hell is you. Still they coming through, holding up the innocent. Da -da 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 -da. Which, hello, that song could work for right now, today, at this very moment. But that's the best thing about reggae music. Regardless of the beat and the spirit of the sound, it's rebel music. There's always a message. Yes, he's talking about that ganja, but as a means to discuss the stupidity and damaging nature surrounding its illegality. I'm going to give them a certified stamp. They have never tried to appropriate the Jamaican culture, rather respect it as they try to navigate it. Aside from Barrington, they've also collabed with Don Carlos and even Damian Jr. Gang Mali. So don't just take my word for it. Number four, TV on the radio, Wolf Like Me, and People by lead singer Tunde Adampe. TV on the radio are major players in the avant-garde indie rock post-punk sphere. Them, Block Party, and Gorillas were my faves during the mid-2000s. They were all just so different anti-conformity. I mean, shit, you didn't even see the Gorillas' faces. It was definitely one of the coolest times for music. TV's lead singer, Tunde Arumpe, has a voice like no other. Powerful, legendary, and just rock and fucking roll. I also very much had a thing for Kit Malone. He sang, played the guitar and the bass. Mm, he reminds me of Jeffrey Wright, who I just always had a forever thing for. <sighs> Kip. Anyway, hmm, sorry. So I discovered them in 2006 when Leanne and I drove to Ithaca to visit her brother at Cornell. Well, sorry, Kev. We really went to party and for slope day. At the festival, TV on the radio opened for T.I. back when he was popping and wasn't trying to be a bootleg version of Killmonger. But this was a pivotal moment in my life because it was the first time I witnessed a band comprised of mostly black men rock the fuck out. It was eye-opening and one of the coolest experiences ever. It helped me realize that I didn't have to restrict who I was because I was supposed to like a certain music or be a certain way. Here is this band who is super diverse, not giving one hot damn about societal expectations. Now that's punk rock. I was going to feature Wolf Like Me because I love this tune and the meaning behind it. It's a punk song about lust, which I think is just a dope contrast. Like TV doesn't color, doesn't even color within the normal genre lines. This song was about his transformation into a werewolf like a fiend. He talks about bloodlust and cravings. He's basically like, I'm just overwhelmed with excitement and I can't wait to put it on you. I mean, the actual lyrics let you know what's up. I gotta bust that box, gotta gut that fish. And he ain't talking about the box that I've been talking about this whole episode. Okay? Okay. 
I decided to shift because I found out that on Juneteenth, Tunde released a track entitled People, which is only available on Bandcamp. All the proceeds go to the ACLU, a movement for black lives and the Southern Poverty Law Center. Also on that day, Bandcamp donated 100% of its shares to the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. It was really beautiful to see. The song is about strife, racial injustices, and getting rid of all the fucking Nazis. The song begins, Oh people, haven't you known evil for far too long? I know the devil is sure smiling wide. Just absolutely necessary at this time. Please find him on IG. His at is T Adamupe. So it's T as in Tom, A as in Apple, D as in David, E as in Elephant, B as in Boy, I, M as in Mary, P as in Peter, E as in Elephant. Click the link in his bio to purchase the song on Bandcamp. It's only a dollar. Number three, Pink, Don't Let Me Get Me. I will always have nothing but respect for Alicia Moore. Can't Take Me Home was the very first CD I owned. You Make Me Sick and There You Go were my jams. There you go, looking pitiful, just because I let you go. Oh, that was my chat. Anyway, she truly had the perfect voice for R&B. But when her next album was released in 2001, Misunderstood, it was more pop rock. I was definitely confused until I saw the video for Don't Let Me Get Me and read an article about her shift in what I believe was Rolling Stone. Although I missed her old sound, she still sounded dope and my respect for her just elevated. Pink, as an artist, only wanted to be herself. She did not want to become a product created by the music industry that has stolen so many souls. She wrote her own songs and stayed true to who she was at all times. She even called out fame music exec L.A. Reid. L.A. told me, you'll be a pop star. All you have to change is everything you are. The chorus perfectly describes when you lose sight of who you are. Don't let me get me. I'm my own worst enemy. It's bad when you annoy yourself. So irritating. Don't want to be my friend no more. I want to be somebody else. And the person she wanted to be was herself. From 2001 on, Pink has done just that. She's a prime example of fighting for yourself. As a mother, she allows her children to be exactly who they are, and I love it. Oh, my God. During quarantine, she gave herself a haircut while she was bombed off tequila. That she was hilarious. Like, how could you not love her? I also got to see her in person once while I volunteered at the Dew Tour in 2010 in Vegas. Her hubby is Carrie Hart, who is a motocross legend. I had no idea how short she was until I walked past her because her energy is just so large. You know, you'd think she's like six foot two, but it was definitely one of the coolest moments ever. Number two, voodoo child, Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix is the greatest guitarist to ever do it. Notice I did not say black guitarist. Jimmy dominated rock and roll, which during the time he was alive was mostly a space for white artists. However, this was the Woodstock era, 1969, baby, a time of free love and hippie life. So it was definitely a space of openness and love. If anyone would have tried to put Jimmy in a box, he would have set the box and his guitar on fire, then proceeded to play the national anthem on top of it. Um, and his version of the anthem is the only one I find acceptable that and Whitney's a close second without Jimmy. I don't think I would have had one of my favorite artists today, Gary Clark Jr. 
who I feel like maybe Jimmy reincarnated because damn, like you ever heard him play a guitar? My God. Anyway, the track Voodoo Child is all about him paving his own way in the world of rock and roll. Well, I stand up next to a mountain and I chop it down with the edge of my hand. Well, I pick up all the pieces and make an island. Might even raise just the little sands because I'm a voodoo child. He's saying I'm a child of rock and roll and I'm taking what it is and making this world my own. Forever changing your perception of what this music is supposed to be. AKA, I came here to fuck shit up. And even at the end, he's a little shady. He's like, oops, my bad. And then he says, didn't mean to take up all your sweet time. I'll give it right back to you one of these days. Guess what? He never did. And his legacy never will. Number one, Prince. Controversy. There is no way you could even attempt to put Prince Rogers Nelson in a box. While people were trying to figure out his sexuality and ethnicity, he was busy being an entity from another realm. He refused to be defined by something as trivial as race and gender. Shit, he literally became a symbol. A symbol for limitlessness and boundlessness. This man owned all of his masters, aka his music, which is a rarity. He so famously said, own your masters so your masters don't own you. And that right there is a quick lesson on independence and shade. It still breaks me up a little that you can now find him on Apple Music and Spotify because I know that's not what he wanted. But fucking capitalism, am I right? It's hard for me, who is obsessed with Prince, to choose one song, especially since my favorite movie is Purple Rain. Don't judge me. Again, a lot of my favorite movies incorporate a fire score and soundtrack. It elevates a film for real. But if I had to choose one track that is fully and wholly Prince, it's Controversy. I actually first heard of this song on a Scandal episode in 2014. It's season four, episode four for reference. Rowan was all up in the episode being trash. Okay, let me not. Mm -mm, This is not what this show is about because I can't get started on schedule, especially not the hot mess that is season four. That kidnapping arc. Like, what the hell? What was that? Can someone tell me? Okay, never mind. Anyway, let me bring it back. In this song, he talks about people trying to categorize him. And he's just like, you know what I am? Free. In the lyrics, he says, some people want to die so they can be free. Don't, don't, don't. Okay, that's one of the greatest bass lines ever. I'm not doing it justice, obviously, but it's so good. He continues and says, I said, life is just a game. We're all just the same. Okay, but the best is the end of the song. Some people call me rude. I wish we all were nude. I wish there was no black and white. I wish there were no rules. Hard saying, Prince. It's important to remember, Prince was very secure in his identity as a biracial black man. This song isn't about being colorblind, but rather let's stop using our colors to define who we are. And that is a message if I've ever heard one. Thank you so much for listening to the second episode of LA Unmastered. Please be sure to follow me on Instagram and Twitter at LA Unmastered. 
hit me up, la at launmastered.com or at 646-389-9079. I'd love to hear from you. And as of this episode, I am now available on Google Podcast. So I want to leave you with this quote from Robert Nesta Marley. Emancipate yourself from mental slavery. None but ourselves can free our minds. Redemption song. May your day be filled with happiness, peace, and music. And remember to stay doing it.